Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Play towards the back post and Fortune got there! Well, it's that the goal that's going to keep West Bromwich Albion up. 2-2. Late goal for John Athletic. Jonathan Fortune. Crystal Palace are relegated again. Welcome to the first ever episode of Charlton Live Meets. Today we meet a man who made 215 appearances for the Addicts over two spells with the club, and of course, he sent the Palace down. John Fortune talks us through his Addicts career. Academy, um, and, and these days, obviously, everyone talks about how the Charlton Academy is such a, a clear pathway to the first team. You always know you're going to sort of make it. Was was it the same back then when you sign up to Charlton? You see yourself sort of going to that first team. Um, yeah. To be to be fair, yeah, it was always Charlton had a good name there because my older ones were um, Richard Roof was playing, Sean Newton was playing, Lee Bowyer just come through and, and got moved on. So you always there was always Charlton graduates playing in the first team. Yeah, and was was that what sort of persuaded you to sign up with Charlton when you when you were yeah, a I youngster? So. Yeah, I just I just remember that I was used to live in East London. We had, we had a centre in East London, and um, quite a few from my Sunday side. So about four, four, three or four lads were over there, and we just. Literally, just it was just a good fit, and we we enjoyed training at Charlton, and just carried on our journey from there. What what was Alan Kirby like with the youngsters? Because I mean, everyone talks nowadays about how Carl, Carl Robinson's always telling the youngsters they're going to get their chance. Here was Alan Kirby the same? I think he weren't so much telling us he was going to get a chance. He just the history just showed that he did do it. Why obviously the players that you saw playing in the first team, and um, he weren't so much pulling us aside telling us you're going to get your chance, but he was just. He knew he'd watch the he'd watch the youth team games. You'll see him on the sideline. You see him maybe come to the dressing room here and there sometimes. But then obviously you had people like Keith Peacock who was always around. Obviously the reserves and the and the youth team obviously encouraging you that there's always going to be a chance as well. And so we- I think purposely just had a good team around him that you just believed that you had a good chance to get in the first team. Yeah, because I guess back back in back in those days as well, there's probably clearer chance because Charlton obviously were in the in the Premier League by the time you made your debut, and I, you rarely see that these days in terms of kids making their debuts in the Premier League. So, do, do you think you sort of came through at the right time there to to, to be to to get to make your debut in in, in the Premier League? Um, yeah, obviously 
timing's everything, but um, I, I was hoping to make it a little bit earlier, but because of, in my youth team, I had Scotty Parker and Paul Vincescu, who were like the superstar kids who got their debuts at 16 when we was in the, when we was in the championship at that time. And, um, obviously the team got promoted and then more experienced players coming. So I was, I was around the first team for, for, for a little while. Maybe about two, two years before I could see coming, but it, it still took us by surprise when it actually did happen. Mm. Yeah, it was uh, the first game of the 0-1-0-2 season. Don't forget, we just finished, I think, ninth the season before after being promoted. And then, like I say, you came off your bench for for your debut against Everton. Do you know, like, in, in the build-up to the game, were you told you've got, you know, this could be this could be your time that you're going to come on this week? No, I just, um, as I said, I've been on the I've been on the bench before. Maybe the, the season was or the the season prior to that and the season before that maybe so as a centre half you're not really expecting to get on but then um, I had a good pre-season I played quite a few games pre-season and, and just by a chance we, I think there was I can't remember I think it was 1-0 down or the game weren't going that well in, in Curbs I remember coming in at half time and then giving the giving the team a bit of a dressing down and then all of a sudden he just said right John go warm up I was thinking, all right, yeah, just go warm up for the sake of it, and then that was it. He made the changes at half time, and I come on. And I guess you, given a bit of a, a a baptism of fire, the lights of Duncan Ferguson and Kevin Campbell up front for Everton that day as well. So you really sort of yeah, thrown no, in at I the deep end. So, yeah, so as, as a young man coming on centre half against Big Duncan and, and Big Kevin Campbell as well, it was a baptism of fire for sure. And um, yeah, it was just it was just more so just just a relief to finally. Make my day because I think I was pushing on to 19 at the time. Until I come up to 20, I, I think it was, and I was just I was I was desperate to just get on the pitch and, and finally make my debut for Charlton. And, and you had some good mentors in that side, so the likes of Mark Fish and I think Steve Brown would have been around that time. Who, who was who was the sort of like defenders you looked up to when you were just waiting to make your debut? Oh no, we was um, I had some fantastic senior players at Charlton. That was really positive about our squad that could could look after themselves and Steve Brown was there Richard Rufus as you used to lead by example he was a top 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 player um, was the other centre half at that time I told me centre half I'm trying to remember which ones were there at the time <laughs> remember Eddie, Eddie Yards would have gone by there but he was there and he was an, he's an example as well um, Fishy yeah, but in ter- in terms of like those those more senior players, when when you're coming in as a young central defender, do you, do you find it useful to have a, a more experienced head sort of alongside you, sort of telling you where to go and that sort of stuff? Yeah, definitely, it's it's, it's very important. Like, and it even goes back to, as you said, them days we were lucky enough to have a, a very strong reserve team. So anyone who was on the bench or even anyone who played in the reserves, you you was playing. So I say a year prior to that, I was, I was I was used to the used to the players because I've been playing with them reserves and training them every day. So like you said, you had, you had senior players like Paul Morton. I used to help me in the reserves, talk to me a lot, play a few games in the centre half. Obviously Steve Brown would have played with Richard a few times. So you was you've got that feeling of of being around the lads and having the senior players like you said, like you had Mark Bright and people Carl Lieben. All them leaders that we had in the in the in the reserves who, who would teach you a thing or two. 
Can you remember what sort of ambition like Curbs would say that this this is what the team's aiming for this season? Because obviously we were still quite a new Premier League club at that time. Was it all still talking about survival, or was it, you know, can we try and get in the top half this season? Did Alan Kerbyshire used to sort of set targets like that? No, I, I don't really remember him setting targets. I just remember it was our general target just to survive, get to that forty part forty point mark, and we 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 kind of always just. Obviously, I was naive them days and, and didn't realise what a big achievement it was just to get to 40 points because I, I come up in the Premiership team and the, and the team had won the title before, so they was and they've been relegated the season before that, so they were so content in just staying up. But we seemed to get to that 40, 40 point mark pretty early, and then after that, he was just, just trying to nick as many points as he can. There was never a sit down target of right lads, we're going to try and survive this year, or we're going to try and break into the top ten. I know just from Kerr's mannerisms that he was always desperate to try and keep us in the top 10. That was his aim. Yeah. But he was, never said, this is our target kind mm. of one. Cause it, was something, it was something that was thrown at Charlton around the years that we were in the Premier League. It was that we'd often get to 40 points and then almost take the foot off the gas. Did you ever get the impression that after that, that 40 points was met that, that people would almost be on the beach or anything like that? No, it, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't that. But obviously, uh, once we once we got to that, 40 points, obviously things did change because it was a relief for the lads to finally got, like, we, we realised we were safe and maybe the gas not intentionally come off a little bit, but Curves was always pushing us every day in training, was still very hard and they said, yeah, I know his ambition was really to, to push for that top 10. Mm-hmm. Just for the interviews and, and, the, and the, the, the talks you see him doing on TV, but as for a group of players, it was a relief when we had, we had got there because we knew we, we were safe. Yeah, no, it was it was strange because we did find it once we got to that forty point mark, we did find it hard to to come across wins after that. Yeah. Now your um your your first goal for the club came in slightly unusual circumstances, I guess, because it was it was September the twelfth, two thousand and one. I remember going; it was a League Cup game against Port Vale. I remember going, but obviously nine eleven had happened the day before, and there'd been a lot of talk about um. Some people were suggesting that games should be cancelled that night. Do, do you remember it, that, that game sort of having a weird aura around it? Yes, it, it, it did because I remember, um, as I said, I, I've been on the bench a few times. I've made a day, but, but this was going to be my first start. And I remember leaving the training ground knowing that I was starting and then hearing the reports on the radio and then getting home and seeing it on TV. And then obviously, the, I remember. Had speaking to each other, thinking that is the game going to get called off, or you just you were just unsure of what was going to happen. And did that and sort of affect up. your mentality or anything like that? Not really, because I was just so focused at that particular time. I was just desperate for the game to stand because I, I knew I had a, ch- a chance to start, like being postponed or or something happening to me that next week. Maybe another centre injury, centre half might have been fit or. Someone wants suspended. Whatever the opportunity was that meant I start, I just knew that it was my chance to to grasp it. So I was I was trying to kind of like really hopeful that the game would go ahead. Obviously knowing about getting home and seeing the TV, and then you realise how big the situation was. But um, yeah, once once you get to the stadium and the game's on, you you're, you're fully focused on football again. And what does it feel like to to get your first goal for the club you've come up the academy ranks of? Yeah, it was just a, it's just an unbelievable feeling. You know, just even to your first make your debut special because you finally get onto the pitch and 
all the achievements that you wanted to do, you, you've got then you've done it. But making your first full start, walking out the tunnel as, with the, as, and starting a game, that makes you feel like your your real debut for me. Mm. And to to play that game and to score was a was an unbelievable feeling. Mm. Now, the next time you got to appear in the Premier League was at home to Newcastle. And obviously, you're up against one of England's all-time greatest strikers in the form of Alan Shearer. Um, and possibly ended up getting slightly closer to him, to him than you perhaps hoped, because he got he got red-carded for Elburn. You can, can you remember much about that incident? He, he must have been frustrated with the way you were marking him out of the game in that second half. You know, I just... The the game was it was just it was the game like in terms of you said you play in Newcastle every game in the Premier League was was a massive game just because every team as a centre half had an exceptional centre forward. Do you like you said you play against Everton and it's Kevin Campbell and it's Duncan Ferguson you play against Newcastle and it's Shearer like every team had a, a top draw caliber forward so you, you're always focused and you're dedicated into the game but obviously. Shearer was a, a massive name, and um, to come up there and, and to and to play really well that day, it, I just thought the sending off kind of like I didn't realize at the time spoiled a little bit for us just because the backlash that happened after the game. But but during the game, I just remember us playing really well as a team, and me particularly having a good game as well. And then it was just it's just one of the things. He was obviously elbows a, a fly. That particular one just just caught me the right on the Adam's apple, and I, and I went down, and then obviously the red car come up, and I, I didn't think much of it at the particular time because I knew he had caught me with it being in the throat. But it was just um, obviously afterwards with it being Alan and how big it was made in the media, it got a little bit bit sour. Were you surprised when it got rescinded as well? Because I think I was reading one of the reports going back going back through the years and they're saying that Alan Kerbertie had to defend you for getting elbowed in the throat. Yeah, because obviously it got rescinded. So, and obviously Alan Shearer at the time was pleading his innocence and I, and I don't believe it was a malicious one in terms of throwing the elbow at us, but it got caught in the Adams that ball and it, it, it took me down in that respect, you know, but they, they started coming out with stuff about, I was told by teammates to stay down and all sorts of little tactics come out, which was, which was completely off, which was completely wrong at the time, but they said I was just, it was, it was a big deal. Mum had all the clickings because it was in every <laughs> paper because it obviously was Adam Shearer, so it gave me a little bit of profile, I would guess, but it was, it was one of those, it was Waterford's ducks back to me in that, in that respect because I knew I knew I'd been called, and it—not to say it was malicious or purpose, but it, it happened, you know. So it's no big deal for me. And was that the first time you found yourself though really in the limelight? Because we know what it what it can be like being a Premier League footballer. It can be sort of back page news, and especially these days, it could be twenty four seven news. But is that the first time you, you found yourself having to deal with quite an intense sort of media spotlight? Yeah, because like I said I'd, I had nothing like that before, and then all of a sudden, like you said, every, every back page in the country you're on it with linked to Alan Shearer in that respect. So it was it was a big deal at the time. As I said, I said Mum had a lot of pictures and a lot of clippings that she's just like <laughs> showing my son now. So it was a case of yeah, it was the spotlight was on. I remember the gaffer coming out and defending us. I do feel, I remember, I think it was that game or, or another game later, I remember Bobby Robertson coming out and, and saying I've done really well. Or, no, sorry, that was the later one. But I, I, I do remember there was a lot of attention on it. Now, um, another 
way your name sort of became well known was when uh, you became part of a a back four that spelt that spelt out a sentence that everyone found hilarious at the time. Obviously, young fish Costa fortune now it was the standout player in in that one is obviously George Costa because I remember when he joined us on loan uh from Porto it, it just seemed like an absolutely massive signing for us I mean when when he came in uh you know playing against the quality of uh you know player with with that sort of heritage almost did is that something that you feel like really ups your game again no like I said I was, I was so naive and young at that particular time I didn't I didn't understand who Joel Costa was and, and what he had done prior to coming to Charlton I knew he had been at a big club and he was obviously um been told he had to go play to make it into the Euros but I, I didn't understand how big a player he was so it was just it was just another another pro who would, who would come into the changing room who, was, who I was have to battle with to play at centre-half and have a senior player because we've had some very good players come into Charn over the years. And it was um, it's just one of them chemistry things, you know. He, he come in and we just we just clicked as a, as a partnership. You get that every so often in your career. And um, I think he helped me a lot. He, like you said, he had a, a massive aura and a presence about him. But where he wasn't very good with his um, language skills, it meant that I had to talk a lot more, and it, it improved my game and, and my concentration because I, I I become the one who had to do the the communications. If if Fisher weren't around or if one of the older players weren't around, it, it, as a centre half, it, it would fall on me. Yeah, because I guess communication is so important in that back four. Then, so it must be slightly harder when there's someone who doesn't quite speak speak the language and such. Yes, uh, and as you said, so normally as a, as a younger centre half, you you would kind of like let your your older one dominate in that respect, and you're you're just go in there and do your job. But it upped my game because I had to take on that role as well, and obviously I'm learning for him just from just from his presence and and he said as a leader he was on the pitch in terms of um, he said how large a presence he was. Was he was just been on the front foot? Yeah. Was he was he quite down to earth in the dressing room? Because obviously, like I say, he was such a massive player when he joined. He he, he understood stuff. He'd have a little giggle and a little smirk and that, and he, and then he would play down that he couldn't understand things. Certain players and players were trying to talk to him, but he um he really got. We had they said we had a fantastic change room, and he and he fitted right in. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. He was a, he was a big character, George. We had some really memorable games in that season, and there's there's ones like for the likes, for example, like we beat we beat in Chelsea by by two goals to one, winning away at Spurs, that sort of stuff. I mean, when when, when you're sort of still in your, in your first first real season as a senior pro, do you find yourself surprised to be going going away to such big teams and, and taking scalps like that? Or is, is it something you all sort of take taking your stride and you think, yeah, this this is where I should be? Exactly what you said. There, it was just it was it was my norm at that particular time. Because like I come through, I come through into the team being in the Premiership, and we was we was going on the road, and I, I, I knew we had a good team. Like we had a, we had a good chemistry, we had a good some really good young professionals, and and a lot of very good senior pros. So it was a really good, really good blend of a group, and I just I really. Just fan- some of the teams we just we just fancied ourselves on a day against teams that we could do a job on them. We knew we weren't a, a great footballing team that was going to like outplay the big teams, but we we knew we could match up against certain teams 
man for man and, and give them a, a hard task. And so, like you said, going to going to Chelsea, Stamford Bridge, and getting the win, going to to Tottenham and getting a result. Like we 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 done it a few times that season. Now you fast you fast forward to the next year, and I'm just you you look at the sort of the midfield we had that year: Jensen, Parker, Holland, you know, Kishishev, um, and and. And then we signed the likes of Paolo Di Canio as well. I mean, did did you get the impression at the start of the sort of 03, 04 season that the curves was really starting to build something quite special? Yeah, you, you got that. One thing, a very good thing about the Gaffer was that he always recruited very well. So it was a it was a um, dressing room joke that if we signed someone, you know that he'd been watching you for two, three, maybe we to say six years, but we know that even <laughs> we tried to get you before or. He was on his radar for a long time, and he always picked people that could always fit into the group well. And um, yeah, that that midfield partnership. Also, we had the Costa Fortune one before with the Fish and the Young, which has which got the headlines. But that midfield group, I thought, was exceptional that year. Obviously, with Parker, was was two players in one. Jensen with his footballing ability, Yuli getting goals, Kishchev doing the ugly work with a Matt Holland so it, it all blended without us really having any wingers we seemed to be able to just go go to places and, and, and nick results and then obviously Di, Di Canio coming in was the X Factor it was, a, it was a massive character like George was the year before who he he fitted to the group very well and was, was the X Factor in our team at that particular time yeah, because I guess um, you know, Alan Kerbishley teams were built on, like, say, have, having good character, good characters within the squad. Now, De Canio's obviously got has a bit of a reputation nowadays as a bit of a live wire, especially in his management career. I mean, and, and during his playing career, to be fair. I mean, what was he like in the in the dressing room uh, in Alan Kerbishley's team? Completely opposite to George, because the George was was a <laughs> bit more quiet and more reserved. De Canio was just out there from the moment he got there. You know, he was. I remember him using a big razor to to shave his old body in the changing room. <laughs> he used to order a shirt that was a size small, like a kid's shirt, so it fitted nicely. <laughs> he didn't like fly in. He would cry and moan on, on the flights. But then you, when you got onto the training pitch, you, I, I remember playing against him at West Ham and and, and beating him and, and doing well against him. But I was still think he was a good player. But it's only when you. You train with someone every day. Sometimes you realise how good a player they are. Yeah. And um, he was he was exceptional, you know. And, and I remember thinking, look at him one day, just thinking, how good must you have been in your prime? Because obviously we got him at was he thirty four, something like that, thirty five, maybe a bit older. And he and he still he still had it. Now the way the way that that season was progressing, I mean, it'll, it'll building up to Boxing Day two thousand and three, and we and we're up against Chelsea. Uh, and we absolutely battered them four uh, two, with, with Scott Parker running the show there. And then obviously after that, after that game, Chelsea came in for Parker, and uh, and bought him for ten million pounds. I mean, in in the build up and after that game, when when we just beaten Chelsea, I mean, did you think that we had a real chance that season of, you know, pushing those European spots? And and how much of a blow do you think it was when when Scott Parker left? Yeah, I, I remember, like you said, there the years before we we had a meeting at the Valley. Once he's just bringing about the memory, and he he told us that season like it was after that game. Or I don't remember what it actually mean, but I remember putting the meeting and saying that we have really got a chance of breaking into this this top six European kind of market because they said the team the team was flying. Scotty Park was exceptional. 
that was the first time you knew that it was looked upon like we could really make waves in this. And I, I still tell people now, Scotty was was the best player I ever played with, just because he was he was like two players in one. And it's kind of like what Kante's been doing now for Leicester. And going on to Chelsea, he, he was that good for us, you know. He, he was that much of a difference maker. When he um when he left, I mean, as fans, I mean, I remember as a sort of. 11, 12 year old being so disappointed. But I mean, it, it must be different as a player when you see some, someone like Scott Parker who's, who's given the chance to go to Chelsea. I mean, do you, I can't imagine you begrudge him quite like fans do. I could never, you know. He was, he'd been in my team from a youth team. I've been playing with Scotty since I was maybe about 12, 13 years old. So um, I've been in the same dressing room with him since then, all the way through to when he moved. So. I remember the day he, he come in and he said, "Look, lads, Chelsea made an offer. Like, I've got to do this for my family, for my sake of my family. I can't turn this opportunity down." And that was just when the money had just started going into Chelsea. And obviously, we we all knew how important he was to our team because, as I said today, he was our Kante. He was that two players in one. He would he would defend. He would score. He was a he was a, an exceptional box to box midfielder for us. And um yeah, we couldn't we couldn't begrudge him but I remember seeing I remember the hurt on on Percy's face, like he was desperate just to hold on to him for that, that season because he really believed if we would have kept him we had a fantastic chance. Looking back at it now I could see how how much he tried to hold on to him, how disappointed disappointed he was when he did actually lose him. But as, as a group of players there was none there was no talk about you shouldn't go or you can't go kind of thing. Yeah. And obviously we, we missed out at, at the end of the season. Did, did it feel like, oh, you know, this is, this is an opportunity that we haven't quite grasped with two hands here? Because you know, even late on in April when we, we went away to Liverpool and won 1-0, there was still an outside chance we could have done something that year. Uh, you know, I, I ain't got the feelings. I can't remember the feelings of us all sitting in the dressing rooms thinking that we missed out. We never done it. Like, I just remember us fighting to to get there and and, and getting the results and and like that was a cherry on top. But we we was trying to get there, but it, it just never happened. But I, I don't remember us sitting down being disillusioned. I'm, I'm maybe that's just me just being a younger one, not knowing what was in front of us, not understanding the importance of it at that particular time. But, but looking back now, he said, well, if I was to tell someone at Charlton, would we finish in the sixth, was it, or seventh? Yeah, I think that season we ended up seventh, yeah. Seventh, if I was to tell someone at Charlton, finish seventh in the Premier League, they're, they're looking like I was crazy right now. <laughs> well, especially because the, the top six used to be, it used to be the big six, didn't it? And then it was almost like a league for the other teams to finish seventh, so to finish top of that. Yeah, and that was oh. it, and I, I didn't realise. So the um, a fan, the other day I went to watch Charlton, I was on a... a on the train on the way back and a fan come up to me asking me about the good old days and all that kind of stuff and he, he told me that was the only year someone in sixth didn't qualify for Europe apparently yeah. or seventh whatever it was yeah it must have been our bad time, every time before or after that someone's, someone's obviously qualified but I think we had to go through the fair pay league and someone else got the rights for it I can't remember what it was particularly was but it was to he was informed me the other day, and I was like, "Wow, we, we was actually that close." Yeah. Now, fast forward to the end of the next season, oh four, oh five. Now, um, I think if if I mention the name John Fortune to any Charlton fan, 
immediately that they come to this specific moment. It was a header on the 87, 82nd minute <laughs> against Crystal Palace. I mean, uh, is is that your, is that the best moment of your career? Is that your proudest moment? Yeah, I'm, I'm known for two things. Like it's neither scoring that goal or the Henri Bakil. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that uh, bit any, later. Any Charlton fan, I know anyone who comes up to me and says that, I know they're a Charlton fan. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's, it's obviously the standout moment for for every Charlton fan because I never had, I'll try to tell people, I never played against Millwall as a pro. Uh, our games was always against Crystal Palace. I, I missed that era. So obviously going away to Palace and the home games prior to that, I, I knew how big the games were. I knew the importance of them. Obviously, this particular game, we was we were safe again. It was one last game of the season. We we had a good season already, and obviously, Palace had come to town. I had a, a few friends playing in the team for them as well, for Palace, and it was a it was a big day for us at Charlton because we knew we had to put a performance in for the club. You know, we couldn't let Palace come over and, and turn <laughs> us over at home. I was really pumped up for that game. I was probably a bit overcharged because I, I made a couple of mistakes that led to the goals for Palace. And I just remember thinking I've just got to dig myself out of a hole and then lucky enough we got a late free kick and I wandered up front and got and got my head on a goal and I just I just remember scoring the relief of scoring and, and picking the ball up and kicking it into the stands and just all that frustration during the game of thinking, Oh no, like Palace might win at home and I gave away the penalty and it's gonna be my fault and all that relief was just let out and it was it was a great feeling. Yeah, because, I mean, when it comes to, like, derby games like that, I mean, as players who've come up through the academy and know, know what it's all about, do you, do you have to sort of explain to other players that this this is the big one, this is the one we, we simply can't lose? Yeah, especially to the, the more the foreign lads, more so the English boys get derbies, or the British boys get them straight off the bat, but the, the, the foreign boys don't really understand. I remember, remember the season before we had a player of the year do, and... Everybody who scored against Palace that season won goal of the season, like number one, two, and three. I think it was Dennis <laughs> Rombardale, and he, he couldn't understand how. How was this goal one player of the season? He was like, no, it's not your goal. It's the fact that it, who who it was against. Yeah. So like that that showed that showed everybody the importance of the game, where they was what it was going to be. Yeah, and you mentioned you have friends that uh, you had you'd friends playing for Palace as well, because that, that was going to be one of my questions, like. I mean, if I'm playing a mate down at five a side and I beat him, I'll, I'll give him endless stick. But if you've just relegated one of your friends from the Premier League, I mean, is it still? Do you still sort of give him a bit of stick, bit of banter? Well, like I said, it was a it was a mad day. I probably would have before, but I was I was just so relieved to get through the game and obviously get us after making mistakes just to get in the window <coughs> and getting the goal to to send them down in that respect. It dug me out of a hole. I was I was so relieved. But I just remember. Um, I had a friend fit fit playing for them, and uh, my my thing was that I would swap after a game. If I had a friend playing for the other team, I'd always swap with them shirts. So I would went over and I was, I was swapping shirts with him, and he was just distraught. And then I had another friend who wasn't on the pitch that day, but he was, he was on the bench. And he, Wayne Andrews, he come running over. He goes, John, you've just you've just cost these boys forty percent or fifty percent of the wages. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a little chuckle to it, and then obviously, um, yeah, that was it. But I was with I was with Fitz all the other day. We were talking about that game. Does it still hurt him? Yeah, it hurt him, but it ended up hurting me in the end because we got we got Ian Dowie coming to us. 
Well, I can ask you about that in a minute. I mean, at, at the time, at the time of the goal, I mean, did you know? Did you know you'd go down in folklore? No, I, I didn't. I, was, I said, I, like, I was just so desperate to, to dig yourself out the hole and get that to get that goal was that relief. And then I remember um, being in the change room afterwards and hearing loads of noise outside. But as you were, it was in the change room until pretty late, and I come out as one of the last two or three. As I come outside, there's maybe about two, three hundred Charlton fans singing my name <laughs> outside in the car park, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like, all right, yeah, this this really did mean a lot to these guys, yeah. you know. And then obviously it was in the papers of me, Pally, and Yuli. I think we was we was the next day we was flying away to Miami for a little off-season break we was having, and then it was all in the papers, and, and then you just got the sense of what it meant to the club. Yeah. Now, I mean, you, you mentioned there that the other thing you're remembered for is perhaps not not the the, the happiest moment of your career. But I mean, <laughs> it, it was it was against Thierry Henry. Now, the, the question I wanted to ask was because, of course, I mean, when you're playing in the Premier League, you play world class footballers, and obviously you you had that unfortunate incident where Thierry Henry sort of back back healed sort of through your legs. But I mean, in terms of when you're going up against a player of that quality, I mean. Does it affect the way you're going to go out to play? Do you have to think about how to... Are you almost fearing going out to play them? Or? You know, it's not fearing, but the best player I've ever played against by far. But he was in also the greatest team I've ever played against by far. So it was a... It, they were equally that good together. You know, we talk about the invincible team with Burkham, Omri, Vieira, Perez, you know, that, and... Uh, Obviously, we would have to do a lot of a lot of training during the week to get our, our team shape right, and our, and that was one of the teams. That's probably the only team that we weren't really comfortable going and getting result against. Like in 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 our Premiership era, we could always match up against most teams and 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 give them a good run for their money. But Arsenal just had that little bit extra class in that particular time. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cool. So I remember um, one week we were in a team shape um, on, on a plan to try and beat them. And everything used to come down their left-hand side. So it was actually called Perez. Omri used to drift out there and that was their... That was the way Arsenal played, and that was their most, that was their most potent threat. And I just remember we done an hour team shape on how to stop Ashley Cole. And I think it was Lisby had to mark him or pretend to mark him in training. And I was like, wow, <laughs> like we're actually trying to stop a team because of their left back. 
that was unheard of. You'd always before just talk about the two forwards and that'd be it. Or a centre midfielder, but you realise the effect that team actually had. They had, yeah. they had, they had weapons from everywhere. <laughs> no, are there are any other sort of like teams or players that you now you sit back after your career's finished and think, yeah, I've, I've played against some some very good, very good players in my time. Yeah, you only got to, you only got to watch the TV, the Premiership now, like the pundits, and even when they do the old Premiership games and stuff like that. Is as a centre forward, I remember trying to. There was a chance. I had a chance of breaking into the under twenty one for England, and um, that first season that you spoke about, and they they said the the eight games that I played in or something like that, it was I've done well, and I kept clean sheets against. He said people like Duncan Ferguson, Robbie Fowler, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Mark Faduka, like every every single team had a, had a superstar centre forward, and uh, and lucky enough in that in that in that era that we had in the Premiership, I got to play against all them guys. I think obviously the one of the highlights that I've, I've got, I remember um, when we had to play Newcastle again after after Alan Shearer had been rescinded and sent off against us. There was a lot of the press was on my back, not on my back, but they wanted to. It was a return battle kind of thing, and I'd do interviews before the game and stuff like that. And I was really geared up to, to proving that I could do well against them again. And I think it went well. And then after the game, Bobby Robson done a piece saying that out of all the people he's seen, Mark Shearer, that was the best performance he's seen of someone give, playing against him. And he mentioned names like Desai and John Terry, all the top centre half, and he said that, that's, the best, that's the best person I've seen handed him so far. Yeah, that's a uh, praise indeed as well from a from yeah, a bit of a, yeah. a, a footballing legend. Now, uh, now I wanted to f- fast forward again now because we're coming to towards the the end of two thousand and five two thousand and six season, um, and it was uh, announced that Alan Kerbishy was leaving. Now, obviously, we we'd, we'd been our manager slash uh, you know uh, co manager player manager for well, something like fifteen years at the time now. So it was I understand the players were all actually told in the dressing room before that, that game against Blackburn. Can you remember if, if that was the case and how you all felt when it when, when you were told that? Yeah, there was there was rumours about it and then he, he pulled us at a meeting as normal in the change room, named the team. I was I was on the bench today so that day so I had a little strap on because I thought I should have been playing. <laughs> so I would occasionally have here and there. And um he said, look, my time's up. Da, da, da. I was just going to warn you guys before because the, the crowd and the, the chairman's going to do something for me before the game, but I just wanted to let you guys know beforehand. And it was, so we, we heard rumours, but we were, we was kind of shocked and it was still, the season was still ongoing and it was no one really knew how and how to handle it or what to say because um, Cubs always kept himself at a distance. And it was always Mervyn Day and, and Keith Peacock that would do the player liaison and, the, and and chatting to the lads in the dressing room and, and Curves would keep himself that little bit of distance away from you. But um, yeah, it was it was a very very strange day. I I, I can't remember the result. Did we lose that game? Yeah, we lost two 0 Yeah. Yeah. So the the game, I said, I, I remember. Oh, I think I, I like to go in and say thanks for everything you've done, but the the game didn't work. The game didn't go well, so it was a strange one, and it was just. What was that? Was that right near the end of the season? Was it or not? Yeah, it was the last. It was the last home game. Yeah, it was the last home game. So we had to play Man U the week after, didn't we? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. So it was like we had a bad week. I didn't play. I remember the three, the other ones moaned. They didn't, and it was like really looking back. 
you know, I should have just knocked on the office door and just say, look, thanks for everything you've done. But the environment at that time didn't seem like it was right because obviously we was all told to focus on the next game. It's going to be hard week of training, but certainly looking back, you can see, obviously, you, know, you see what, a, what an unbelievable job he's done for the whole club. You know, that goes from the from the top down to the bottom because he said he was the one who was bringing through the youth players back then. And he's the one who set the standard for the football club. And it was um, for us boys who had been there, like me, Kajeski, Lisby, Parker, obviously had gone by then. He, he, was, he, had, he was all we knew. We never knew no other manager. So it was a kind of like, it was a strange feeling that you, you're trying to be positive because you're looking forward to someone else coming in. But at the same time, you didn't know how good the manager you, you had there was because you, you never, you never exampled anyone else coming in. And it was only as soon as, soon as he walked out that door, you, the, the club came crashing down. Yeah, I mean, because you sort of joked earlier, but obviously it was it was Ian Dowie that came in next, and having been with the same manager and the same processes, I imagine for, for so long, was was it? Do you think it was a, a complete shock? Because obviously, when, when Dowie came in. Uh, that was the season that the Chuckwin ended up relegated and, and the managers kept changing for going from a, a club that was so stable to changing. Do you think that that was partly why we, we struggled so much in that season? Yeah, I, I remember my, my contract was up and I, I, done it. I signed a new deal. I signed like a new three-year deal in the summer and the club said there's going to be a new manager we're going to, and the chairman I was talking about we're going to try to go a different way. So it was. it seemed like it was going to be exciting. And um, the sign of it was very positive, even different rumours and that. And all of a sudden, and Dowie come in, and uh, he said, "You come back pre-season, you're excited. It's, it's a new manager, everyone's excited. It's a new person to impress. Everything's up for grabs." And then it was just, I remember like he said, I was, I was tight with a few of the older players, like Luke Young, having a ride. So and it was just after pre-season, it was like, "This ain't right. Something's not right here." You know, we were so used to curves and doing it Curbs' way. And now uh, Dowie wanted to come in and wanted us to be a bit more open, a bit more expressive. Um, he picked up a little click of two, three players that he would he would really talk to and he really, really speak highly of them. Where before we was on the curve, there was no real superstar. It was all a, it was all a team game, like from one to probably about eighteen squad members. Everyone could come in and do a job for each other. And now all of a sudden we had two or three. Players that he was, he thought were the star players, and it was just the chemistry just wasn't right. And you could just see that during the preseason, and obviously the start of the game didn't go well, and it just just went downhill from there. There was there was nothing. It was chopping and changing between managers, and it was just, there was nothing really good about that season from the start. I mean, so, like I said, it's only in hindsight now you can look back and say how fortunate we was to have someone like Kerbs at that particular time that just made the club so stable and it was, that that was a shock as you know that was just a complete shock to the system and obviously obviously I mean Dowie got sacked after a, after just a handful of games really. and was it a case I mean people talk about losing the dressing room for example was was it do you, do you feel like it was one of those ones which meant the club felt they had to act quite quickly to try and salvage something from that season yeah I said he was. I'm trying to remember the feelings now. Going, but I, I said he had he had a core group that he was really involved with. That he really speaks like he would do stuff like message Youngie the night before a game and try to talk to him about. And and Luke Young sitting with us, like thinking, why is he messaging? Like he's never had that before. 
and it was like that's not what we're about and it just it just went a bit sour and then like lads like myself or Jason Newell or Marcus Bent lads who have been involved in the team coming in and out of the team all of a sudden you was put to one side and you knew you weren't playing and you're running these plans and it was just it just disrupted the whole change room you know because like I said before there's always a tight grip tight knit group sorry and you knew that someone could come in and do the exact job that you'd done away and then I just remember being at home and hearing Luke Young phoning me to say that he's going to go and then watching it on Sky Sports News and he went and then they they replaced him with Les Reed first wasn't it yeah and Les was obviously our first team coach at the time and obviously he inherited the same group and it just it just went the, the same way yeah, Les, obviously Les Reed didn't last too too long himself. But then Alan, Alan Pardew came in. If I remember rightly, it was on Christmas Eve he came in. Um, yeah, and uh, and uh, but then it was not long after he came in uh, that, that you went out on loan to, to Stoke. I mean, can you, can you remember whose decision that was? Yeah, it was um, It was one of those, uh, I said, I was in the round, I was on the bench and I said, Pardew come in and I, I had heard because he was one of Keith Peacock's really good close and good friends and Steve Brown really talked highly of him as well because he had him at Reading and obviously him being an ex-player so he come in and he was a breath of fresh air to be fair he, he, he really had that aura and that personality to take over the dressing room and we thought he was up on the upward curve and that again and then I just remember like the January the January window kind of opened and I was I played a few games but I was on the bench and and I had a rumour that Curbs actually went to bring us over to West Ham. And then I was obviously keen to do that if I weren't going to play. I just wanted to play games at the time. And then um, Pards was open and honest with us. He, he said he, he got in an, another centre-half. Who was it? The Algerian boy. He said, look, I'm bringing in Magic Bagheera. We're getting in for a decent fee. That, that means that your playing time is going to be cut down again. And I just said, look, I... Then we just go out alone and play some games, and obviously um, Pulis coming for us at Stoke, and I think I think West now I think Curbs was trying to do it, but Pars basically said, look, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to go to one of our rivals, and also West Ham have got four centre halves, and you want to go play games. So if you want to go play Stoke's the option where you're going to go play at, you know. So it was um it was done, and and. It's always a sad to leave because I wanted to help Charlton get out of the predicament they were in, but the opportunity to play is what, is what I just wanted at that particular time. So, yeah, I went off to Stoke for six months at the end of the season and just watching it from from a distance and speaking to the lads, I, I really believed he was going to stay up. Yeah, there was certainly an improvement in, in that second half of the season, wasn't there? But we, we, we did go down. And uh, did I understand you had, had the chance to actually sign permanently for Stoke, but you decided to, to stay at Charlton uh, in the Championship? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a little bit of regret now, no, I'm joking. But um, <laughs> it was beautiful. I've gotten really well. I've really enjoyed my time at Stoke. I, I, I've done pretty well there. And he was, he was desperate to sign us. But I... Um, Come back pre-season. Charlton has just been relegated. Um, Paul said to us, "Look, it's an open book. You've got a chance to impress me and, and fight for a place in the team." And that's what I wanted to hear at that particular time because I, I really, really, really did believe. As much as I knew the Stoke and Peterhead was a good team, 
I thought we had a really good chance of getting promoted with Charlton that year just because the calibre of players we still had at the clubs and we was favourite to get promoted. And um, I remember it was a strange one really because I, I did believe that I was going to go Stoke because Pulis was calling me all the time to get it done. And the funny thing is, is that he he used to, he was he he has a terrible preseason where he runs you like no one else. He's very he's very um he's very on his on his hard old school preseason one, Pulis. So he was like, John, I'm gonna get you fit as you ever been, and da da da. And I was thinking to myself, oh, I don't need these preseason. <laughs> for some reason, I, I I was still at Charlton. It won't got done yet. And we went off to Marbella for preseason, and obviously with with um part of it, one of the best preseason trips I've ever had in terms of training was was unbelievable. The, the fitness size was good, but just the chemistry of the boys was good. Pard would, would, would let us have a night out, and he was he was very like. Um, very personal with you, you know. Uh, uh, he's, he was very chatty to the group, and he was a, he was a man manager in that respect, you know. And it was just, I remember chatting to a couple of players like, "No, we've got a good thing here. We can definitely do this this year." And I thought we'd be promoted and, and maybe have a chance of winning the title. So I, I stayed, um, managed to fight in and, and get in the side, and we, we was we was going well at the start, and then I, I got injured for a bit. I've done a medial injury, I think it was at the time. It kept me out for probably about five, six weeks. And we was in like, we was always in the top two or three at that particular time. And then, then I come back and we was outside the top ten, I think, at that particular time. And it, it, it just, it, I just remember it not going that well. We had a couple of bad games and then it, it just all went wrong. Yeah, can you remember like wait, where you think it might have gone wrong that year? Because like I say, we, we had started that, that first season back in the championship quite well. And then I think it ended off fading away. If I'm if I'm correct, I think it's we we was always in and around the top ten, and then I, I can't remember if this is part of his first or second season. You'll have to remind me. We went to Marbella as a as a winter training camp, and we come back and we got beat by Blackpool. I think it's about. Five, yeah, five like three. That. Yeah, that would have been his first season then in the championship. Was that the first season. Yeah, so that's where it all went wrong. I remember it vividly. We went. We, we was we was doing pretty well. We, we was doing okay. We went. We went Marbella for a training camp, winter training camp, which which went really well. The lads were all blending. We done. We done very. We done well out there. We was in hot hot temperatures training. The first winter training camp I've ever been on. To be fair, and it, it was great. But we flew back to London on maybe the the Thursday, and then Friday we jumped back on a plane to go to Blackpool in some windy and some awful conditions, and we we were just not at the races. We got we got ripped apart by Blackpool. Maybe five one. I I didn't have a good game. No one had a good game, and then I think I, I even scored one uh, a consolation goal, and then just after that game. Pars just ripped the team apart, you know, in the dressing room, and he, he made about five or about three or four changes, and I was one of them. I come out of the team, and I, I don't think I played another game. Yeah, no, he didn't. That again. Yeah, he didn't play another game that that season, and then obviously you get to the uh, to the next year, and and that's the you know Pardew's still there. Uh, Charlton's again the first couple of games. I think we got a couple of wins, but then it all came off the rails, and obviously that that turned into our our relegation season. I mean, can can you? 
sort of put your finger on exactly what went wrong that year? Because for some, yeah, of the... and, and also that year, I don't know. I think it was the first or certainly we we sold Andy Reid. Yeah. To Sunderland, that was a big turning point as well. And I think we got back from Arbea. Obviously, that game went out. I come out the side. A few, a few others come out the side, and really went to Sunderland, and it just went, it just went wrong from then. And then, obviously, in the summer, um, just had a meeting with. I was, I was thinking I was going to leave because he didn't play me, and um, had a meeting with him, and he just said, "Look, I made a mistake. I was too hasty. Like you, you've got an opportunity to fight for your space again." And, and come back and I come back in good shape and I was eager to improve eager to impress again and got myself back in the side and and was doing pretty well and then I think around I think it was around the January time I, I snapped my Achilles yeah it's after, me out for the season again yeah yeah it's after the game against Palace where, where we'd beaten them and then Palace came as well wasn't it yeah, yeah but um uh, I mean can, can you put your finger on what went wrong entirely that season because obviously that we, we ended up with I think bottom or second bottom of the championship with such low points. Pardew uh, was was let go midway through the season. Do, do you know why all the wheels sort of came off that year? Um, if I'm looking back at it, I just remember I remember there being I think I had a couple of injuries. So I weren't playing for for a little while before Pards went. That's when I probably done my medial against not I think it was not in a forest away. I done, I done my medial, so I was out for about six to eight weeks. And then um, they said the team was doing pretty well with this winning games, and I was out for a little bit. And then during that time when I was out, I remember there being a, a few whispers that Pards was obviously they might get the, might get the sack. And then I remember Ben Thatcher speaking to Ben Thatcher, and he said he's heard he's gone in and he's seen Pards, and he thinks he's going to go. And then I think we lost the game at home, and they, and they sacked him. And then Phil Parkinson come in. It was a it was a good coach and a really good guy as well, but he, he just never had the same budget that Pards had to fight for stuff. And then I um I come back from injury, got back in the side with so we had, we struck up a, a decent partnership. And then I said it's just at that at that Palace game. I think we was, we was around the bottom of the league at that particular time, but we was making a little bit of a comeback or whatever. And then at that Palace game. And, in February or whenever it was, I can't remember the date. Snapped the Achilles, and that—that that was it. Season over again. Now you left. You left after that. You went up to I think Sheffield United and uh, and stayed away. But then you, you actually came back again in 2010, uh, and I think this was still under Phil Parkinson. Can you remember how that move came about? Did he sort of contact you and say, you know, we'd love to have you back, or did you sort of make yourself available? Yes, I, I we got relegated. I I done my Achilles, but the whole time I was out of contract. So I remember being absolutely devastated to think that it was the first time I had well, the first time not the first time I've been down to my out of contract. But no, I was, I was finally I was going to be a free agent, and I, I wasn't fit enough to to earn a contract with anyone. So I remember Parkinson and the the chairman telling me that they were going to get something sorted for us. And then literally six months later, nothing was there still, you know? Yeah. So I come back pre-season. Um, Parky was, was, was spot on with me, to be fair. He was good as gold. He, he was telling me that he wanted, he was looking forward to me getting fit, looking forward to me getting sharp. And he, he, he kept me in with the squad in terms of training and, and getting fit. But I was out of contract. There was, no, there was no contract on the table. And I was fit again. And then my, my agent just said that Sheffield United was, was interested. And they they just... 
they'd just been in the championship playoff final, so there was a big club. And they said, look, they're waiting to come up. I think I played one pre-season game for Charlton, so I, I was just literally just getting back to fitness. And they said, look, they're waiting to come up, play play a couple of games. If you're, if you're fit, they, they're going to do it. Yeah, I went up there and obviously it just took me longer than I expected to recover from my injury. You know, I just thought I'd be back being able to get fit, but it just took me a lot longer than I than I thought. Then I got a phone call halfway through the season from from Parkinson trying to get me on loan back at Charlton. Because obviously he's always looking at results and seeing how we're doing. But at, at that particular time, I played a couple of games and I was on the bench and Sheffield United didn't want to do it. And then the end of the season come and I was just, I was so, I was a bit lost and a bit disillusioned up there and I just wanted to come back home. You know, I've been in a hotel for, for a year in Sheffield because I couldn't get settled because obviously my injury is always a short-term contract. And I just, um, in the summer, I just said to Parky, can I come in and, and train and get fit? I was during the pre-season. He said, look, John, you're welcome here any time you want. So I come in the whole of pre-season and done, done the pre-season with Charlton. And he was just like, John, I want to get it done again. Would you be interested in coming here still? And I said, no, no definitely. And he, he got a contract together and I, and I re-signed. And then obviously we we had that, that season. And I mean, results hadn't started too badly that, that year, but there was... There, there was the takeover, and it ended up with uh, with Parkinson uh, being sacked, and then then you had Chris Powell coming in. I mean, obviously Powell, someone someone you'd played with back in the Premier League days. I mean, you must have been mm-hmm. delighted to see Powley coming in the building. Yeah, it was a it was a um a weird weird season because I, I, I said I had a lot of respect for for Parkinson because obviously I'd always even from from when Pars was there, he'd always been very good to me. And it was sad. It was actually sad to see him go because I, I knew that what he was trying to do was the right thing, but he just never had the budget. He never had the level of players that Charlton had been used to. And he, he took the flack for that, but it wasn't really his fault because we just couldn't attract the same level of players no more. And then I remember um, I, went, I, went, I went at the races in terms of fit enough to carry the back line as well because like he said I've been out for nearly... Uh, nearly a year and a half and I was trying to find my own way back and I was being able to carry people at the same time and then I remember um, people kept telling me that there's a chance that Paddy's coming back when he was done and it was obviously it was really exciting because obviously Paddy was one of my closest friends in football and obviously a, a, a great player for the club and a great person in general and I was just so excited to, to have him back and obviously he come in in the he lifted the whole place initially, but then the team hit the brick wall again, and he went on a bit of a run of losing games. And it was just—it was a tough time for him, you know, just to see a, a really close friend suffering that way was, was hard to watch from a from a distance. And, and like I said, I was—I weren't at the races in terms of being able to play games to be able to help, and it was—it was kind of a sad scenario. So then you you left the club again at, at the end of that season. And was it was it slightly weird to to be sort of let go by by one of your own mates? No, you know what it was. It wasn't even that. I um, what happened again? Sorry. So I was I was desperate to play to to just to show Paddy that I could I could do a job for him and help him and obviously the club that I love. But I was obviously on the bench and it weren't going that way. And then I finally I finally got a chance. To get back in the side, and I think I played like the last, maybe the last seven or eight games of that season. I don't know what it was, but I played, I played about maybe 
seven or eight on the bounce and, and was playing really well. Like finally found myself again. Like finally found, finally thought I I found a form that I had a couple of years ago prior to the injury. Yeah. And I was I was enjoying playing again, which which is which had which had gone missing for a long time with the injuries, and um, it come down to the last game of the season at home, just a nothing game, and I, I snapped my Achilles again, the other oh. one, on the last day of the season, and then um, obviously same problem again, out of contract, distraught. Obviously, don't know what's going to happen, and and Paddy just said the same thing again. Look, I'm going to try and make everything right for you. I like try try sort out a contract you know what I mean you, you found your form again and obviously it was a friend saying that more so than a manager because of obviously what had happened and to see how distraught I was on that particular day for that happened and then um, you know he, he couldn't do it I was, I was at Charlton for maybe another six to eight months just getting fit off my own back you know I went on a wage Yeah, I, I was just I was just in there every day just trying to get healthy again and and he had he had got rid of all the old players that was there and then bringing a new team, and um, so I was I was in the bunch and, and watching them. I was in the training ground every day, and they, they just clicked and he, they went on a run. So obviously after after you left Charlton, you had you had spells with Exeter, Barnet, Chatham, Dagenham. But I mean, it, it comes a, a time in every footballer's life where he has to make that that decision where where it's, where it's time to stop. I mean, did did you find it tough to make that that decision? Not not really that tough, just because, like you said, there is. I. It's kind of the the two bad injuries that I've had in terms of footballing career both happened when I was out of contract, and I've only been out of contract twice in my career, and they they happened both then. So normally, if if you snap your kidneys and you're out from a year, if you signed a two or three year deal, you've got enough time to get yourself fit and get yourself back, and the club have got patience with you to get back, and you're earning money. Both times I've done it, I was out of contract and earning no money. So you're in a rush to get back and you're trying to push yourself more than you would normally push yourself. So when I come back the second time, I was, as soon as you're out for six to eight months, as soon as it hit seven months, I was trying to play games and I was trying to go on loan to people to play games to convince them I was fit. And um, I said, I went I went to Exeter, went up there too early, played three or four games and broke down, done my hamstring again and then, they went to sign us, but I went to come back to London. And then Mark Robson, one of my old coaches, got a job at Barnet, and he, he told me to come in and, and help with him and be part of the staff. So I went in there. He only lasted a few games, and then David's come in, which was a shambles. And it was just like I'm in the lower leagues now, and I was, it's, it's not the setup that I'm used to. And I just, I just got, I just had a little boy at the time. I just become disillusioned with football, and I just thought, you know what, I, I don't want to do this no more. Which is which is sad at that particular time, but looking back on it now, I should have I should have kept on playing for a bit longer. But at, at that particular time, I I just I went in that mental space to to keep putting my body through that. Hmm. So obviously, the once once you stop playing, I guess for for a footballer who's been involved day to day in the game so much, it must be quite hard to let go. And now. I know, I know. I still see you every now and then at games. I saw, I saw you at Dover commentating. I think I saw you at Crawley the other day as well. Um, I mean, do you, do you still find yourself involved with the game? Yeah, because um, luckily enough, during that particular time where I had so many injuries, you kind of think about what what's going to be next. And I was always very tight with my agent, and we had a we had a really great relationship. And he he showed me the ropes, and I was the office was around the corner to my house, so I I kind of had a little 
buzz and a, a look at how things were going on, and he he'll he'll teach me the ropes here and there. So I've joined up with him and another one of my friends, and we started up a company that obviously look after players and mentor them and tell the families and players about the, the pits, the ups and the gams and, and the roller coaster of football footballers' life, and just just obviously helping them and in different levels of different football clubs to try and to try and get them to try and get themselves the best careers they possibly can. So we've got a couple of lads at Charlton, so I'm always down there watching them and, and giving them some feedback. So it keeps me in and around the football scene. Yeah. I mean can can you tell us what kids you've got at Charlton at the moment or So we've got um Esri Concert Concert sorry, um, Rico Hackett. Yep. And Aaron Barnes. Yeah, so, so all all pretty decent prospects, there, especially Ezri, of course. He's already already made his mark in in the first team. Yeah, yeah. So literally, like, it's, I, I truly believe this 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 bunch that's coming through now are, 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 are a good special bunch. You know, maybe about five, four or five that are coming through together. And said, if I look back on my time from when I was playing, if if you've got a group that can push each other, like I said, we had Lisby. Scott Parker, Paul Kincheski, and myself come through at the same time, and, and one or two, we didn't hit the heights that we did, but was around the first team scene. It, it's it's always a, a better journey when you're doing it with, with lads you've been in the changing room with for a long for a lot of years. Right. Uh, finally, now of course uh, the, the reason Keith Peacock set up this phone call for us is because you're you're coming back to be part of the Legends game. On uh, on September the seventeenth. I mean, obviously, as 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 Charlton fans, you know, the twenty fifth anniversary of going back to the Valley and all that, it means so much to us. I mean, when when you're playing at the club, I mean, are you aware of, you know, are you made aware of that sort of history that the club has and and the battle the fans had to get the to get the club back to the Valley? Oh, aware of it because it meant so much to people like Keith Peacock and and Alan Kerbersley. Uh, we had managers that knew the history and 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 had been through that journey with the football club. So it's something you're aware of. But you said you're in a bubble when you're a footballer and you, you're not exposed to the true feelings outside. So it was it was one of them where I'd come through the system. I'd seen the change in the football club, but I was not aware of how severe the journey was. And are you quite uh, excited to 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 get back to the valley and to get out there again to 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 play on on the valley turf again? You know what? I'm I'm really am excited. I've seen a, a, a few other football clubs do vets team and 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 special days for their for their ex players, and it's just like um I bumped into a few of the old boys now, and I was at a game the other day watching a game, and it was Konchesky was there. Um, Party was there, Alex Dyer was there, Mervyn Day was there, and we was we was talking, saying, "Yeah, we're getting back together in a couple of weeks to have a, have a chat and sit down and play together." It's just more, it's more of a um a really good social for the boys to actually get back with each other and and be in the same changing room and have that little bit of banter and and hear each other's stories again, which is and from what from, I spoke to Keith quite a bit because he's I've, I've been made head of recruitment for the younger generation. So um, he's had me recruiting Parker, Koncheski, <laughs> Luke Young. So we've we've got a few of the younger generation coming as well. So I'm I'm really I'm looking forward to to coming back and and my boy gets to see me have a chance of playing at. He never saw me play football at a decent level. He, he was born when I was at Barnet, so he, he gets a chance to see me play for the the clubs he's seen. The club he's seen pictures of me at my mum's house playing in. You know, so he's he's 
coming up to five years old now, so he, he knows the game a bit more and he's in love with football. So it'd be, it'd be nice for him to come over and see that. Are you raising him to become a Charlton fan? He's he will be he will know of Charlton and he, he knows the history already. He's already got a Charlton kit, but his <laughs> granddad's already got in there, made him a West Ham fan. Ah, uh, well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'd be it'd be nice to see as many fans as possible come come for that game on September the seventeenth to share the the celebration of the the twenty fifth anniversary of the club coming back as well. Yeah, no, it will be good. I said I've seen I've seen the list of the names and the names on the list are impressive for sure. Excellent. Well, John, look, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you on, on Charlton Live here. It's um. Uh, it's, it's some some excellent stories there, especially I, I personally enjoyed listening to you regaling the story of the, the goal against Palace because that's one of my all-time favourite Charlton moments. So. No, listen, mate, thanks for that. You took me down memory lane. I didn't even realise <laughs> some of the years you were talking about there. So, no, thanks, thanks for that. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 